0: You're listening to the free preview episode of On Grief, a podcast about death by Karen Geyer. To unlock the full episodes, please visit patreon.com forward slash on grief pod. Memberships start at just $2 a month. This is On Grief, a podcast about death. Episode. Nine, pet Grief Part 2 Our first two-part episode is on a topic that is very important to a lot of people. 85 million families in America own a pet, with life expectancies for various pets going from a year to to many, many years, that brings up countless opportunities for people to experience and suffer through pet grief. Last week we spoke with Wendy Vanderpoel, who gave us a really great primer on pet grief and what people can do when they're experiencing it and how to know when it is something a little bit more complicated. But some people will ask. Are there any studies on pet grief? What do we know about pet grief? What is to be understood from a clinical sense about pet grief? To answer that question, today with me is Adam Clark, who is a licensed social worker with a specialty in pet grief, who has contributed to numerous articles on the topic on Psychology Today and has co-authored studies on pet grief. Welcome, Adam. Adam, what made you go into this field?
1: I went to grad school at um, the University of Denver in Denver, Colorado, and my specific focus was animal assisted social work. And it just happened to be that there was an internship available at Colorado State University um, Veterinary Teaching Hospital. It's this um, part of it called the Argus Institute. They are one of the oldest basically counseling programs in veterinary medicine. And think about a kind of a hospital social work role. And we did a lot of crisis work and intervention work, but a lot of euthanasias. And on busy days, we could be supporting up to six to eight families in euthanasias. And this is dogs, cats, horses, goats, pigs. I mean, you name it. Um, and I, I got to see repeatedly the, the power and the vulnerability that came at end of life and how hard it was for everyone. And the recognition that this grief that we experience is so stigmatized when it comes to our pets and we attempt to pathologize it or make it into a disease When over time, I've learned that grief is truly a natural process, but we treat it like a disease or something that's wrong with us.
0: What kinds of questions do people come to you with about their own grief? What are the most common things that people ask?
1: Immediately what comes to mind is the the words, am I going crazy? Um, I hear that line all the time, is that am I going crazy for grieving my dog, my cat, my turtle this much? You know, it was just an animal. It shouldn't hurt this much. To me, those words are powerful because you typically wouldn't hear, oh, it was just grandma, you know, get another one. Or it was just grandma. Why am I hurting this much? But we say that for our pets, and I think a lot of that has to do with that cultural confusion we have as it comes to pets being members of the family, but then historically treat it as, as property.
0: So if Nana dies, we will feel really sad about it, And but we don't often spend our entire days with Nana, but we do really spend a very large percentage of our day with our pets. And there are lots of tasks that we have to complete for them during our day it's really integrated into our day and our schedule do you think that's one of the reasons why pet grief is so intractable
1: Absolutely, I, I think that's a huge component of it. I call that the caregiver role, um, and you know because they can't go out and they can't play with their friends or they can't eat even if we don't feed them. And so, um, if you look at the research, that caregiving increases the levels of attachment that we have. And to me, that combined with that unconditional bond or that lack of of strain or judgment on a relationship, um, because human human relationships, let's face it, are very messy. I don't care who it is; they're just messy, um, and it's not. So so messy of an experience with animals and it can lead to that unconditional love. That combined with the caregiving and a couple of other reasons, you grow and form a really strong bond.
0: We've all seen the messaging, we've all had people in our lives who seem to be impervious to the understanding that pet grief is real and that it is something that is devastating for a lot of people. In your opinion, have we moved the dial on people's perceptions of whether pet grief is, quote unquote,
1: real? Yeah. I, so with, pet loss, um, with the Pet Loss Education Project, I work a lot with um, the veterinary community. And most recently, I did a presentation for the um, American Veterinary Medical Association. And I think, you know, in general, the dial is moving towards the recognition and the understanding that these emotions that we have are very real. And I think it depends on your circles on where that dial is moving in the country. And I'm only familiar really primarily with the states. But um, I also know, as a quick aside from the articles that I write, I get emails from all over the world. um, And it seems to me that in a lot of places people are even sometimes afraid of their life for coming out and saying that they're grieving their animal. Um, I think depending on the circle that you find yourself in, it is shifting um, to be, um, there's more recognition recognition to it. I mean, I think we. I just saw an article published in Scientific American about, you know, pet loss and and research is starting to show and to back up what many pet lovers have have known for years is that you know their deaths impact impact us more if not. You know, I, I say more because that's my bias, right? Um, than than many human relationships, and to recognize what that looks like, I I think it's a slow shift. I do think it's picking up steam. It's much better than even ten years ago.
0: As a society, we seem to only be able to really mourn animals if they were uniquely helpful to us. You know, hero dogs. You know, nine eleven dogs, or they did something else that was really extraordinary that needs to be remembered. Why is that?
1: I would agree with that, but I would also looking at it from a social work lens, I kind of took that as a cultural standpoint that, you know, we grieve celebrity icons when they die, but if someone is in the street and and dies, we don't, we don't pay any attention to that. Right. And so when we look at our animals, there's this level of sentience or, Do they have a soul? Do they have a meaning? Are they on the same level as humans? Um, And my bias is that yes, they do. They do have a soul, they have meanings, they have emotions. And most pet owners would agree with that. And some people still don't agree with that. And so I think you've got this disconnect there. Um, of you know what what is their meaning and purpose in life, and and I think that's that's a really powerful piece that's starting to shift, and I hate to say it because I am a millennial, but I think millennials too, a lot of them have a different lens where they're having children later in life, and their pets have become surrogate children and they're treated as such, and I think the pet industry is a multi billion dollar industry, and that's been growing dramatically every year, so I think I think along that lens, it's natural that that's been shifting, but I think with that shift comes a little bit more comfort to talk about it. And it's, there's a lot of forums and online presence and people kind of whispering the support needs um, to grieve that. But if you look at society within itself, I mean, we only get what, three days off federally for grieving an immediate family member. So there's a lack of recognition in general of, of the impact of grief.
0: Depending on how old a child is when they're grieving an animal really determines their ability to handle what is in front of them, because it is such a devastating thing the first time that it happens. So what do we know about the ways in which children grieve pets differently? And what should we be aware of when dealing with children who are grieving their
1: pets? Yeah, that's a really great question. My biggest advice in that is do not lie to them and to try to protect them. There's so many well-intending parents that will say, oh, Fluffy uh, went to sleep, and then all of a sudden your child doesn't want to take a nap or is terrified of going to sleep because they don't know where Fluffy ended up. Or some, sometimes family members will say, oh, they went to camp, and then their children don't want to go to camp. And, and I think we look at it as trying to protect our children from something that is unsafe. But I think the more we can recognize that grief is a part of the experience of living, it's just the price we have to pay for being alive and for loving, is that recognizing that children have a lot more resiliency than we give them credit for. They they also don't have kind of that frontal lobe capacity to grieve and talk about it the way we do. So ways that to, to help them cope is by you know art projects or drawing or painting, getting them involved. I've had children plan memorials for animals Animals. Um, and I've also at the same time had tea parties in the room with children when the euthanasia is going on and then they're, they're a part of that experience and so some of my advice there is give children, if they're old enough and you feel like they, that's appropriate for them, give them the choice of if they want to be there, if it's a planned thing. Um, and also within age appropriate and developmentally appropriate language, be honest about grief and loss. It can be such a powerful opportunity to build a child's resilience if death isn't something that's hidden or run from or you try to shy away from having them experience pain because most of the time it comes back and they eventually find out or they don't know how to deal with grief later in life, whether that be a breakup or a physical death of some
0: Is that an opportunity to help push forward this idea that grieving a pet is just as important as grieving Nana or as grieving your teacher or somebody else in your life? It seems like that's a great way to deliver that message that a child might not get from society.
1: Yeah, I, I yeah, I couldn't have said it better. I think this is that is the opportunity to do it, and if you don't use that opportunity, I don't know when you're going to. Right?
0: Grief is very personal, but the perceptions about grief are that they're absolute, universal. What works for one person works for every person, so. In your practice, can you tell me what you have found to be the biggest misconceptions about pet grief?
1: Yeah, I think one of the most most powerful misconceptions is that they either think that they can avoid it or immediately distract themselves with another pet or avoid it by not paying attention to it. And because grief isn't a disease, right, and I keep saying that because it's so important to recognize um, it's, it's going to come up. And so one of the things is I encourage is moving through that experience and sitting with that emotion and being present with it is one of your fastest ways through it. Um, a misconception is that it's linear and it's not, you can be doing well one day and then it hits you again. Or if you drive by the favorite, you know, dog park that you used to go to, or, or whatnot, you know, it it, it comes up again and in, in, in waves, and it doesn't follow this chronological process. Um, and, and the other misconception generally is that you know that it's not going to hurt as much as a human loss. And most of my clients and people I interact with, it hurts sometimes even more than a human loss um, because of the things we we talked about earlier. And so knowing that it's not something to be afraid of, but it's very painful and it hurts for quite some time, um, I think is really really allowing people the space to grieve. And then that ability to nurture that experience is, is one of the most powerful things you can do in that immediate realm of, of grief.
0: If I'm somebody close to a person who is grieving a pet, what are the best steps that I can take to help them through their grief? Do I stay in touch with them? Do I go over to their house with the casserole? What are the things that are the best practices to do?
1: Yeah, and I think that's really important. Grief makes a lot of us, a lot of us uncomfortable. You know, sometimes I wonder, why does everyone say, I'm sorry for your loss? Like, why, why as a society do we do that? And I think sometimes it's just because we don't know what else to say. And it's that recognition that nothing we do will actually make it truly feel better. But there are some things you can do as a partner or a friend um, is to let them know you're there for them, but allow them to, the space to not choose you. And what I mean that is, is sending the note saying, you know, I'm here, I'd love to bring you dinner, or I'd love to go on a walk, or I'd love to sit with you if you want that. But that's okay if you don't too, because grief is so complicated. And 20 minutes from now, your friend who said, no, I don't need anything and I need to be left alone, might suddenly desire your company. Also, I I say one of the number one things not to do is say I understand what you're going through because it's it's can be extremely minimizing and even if you've experienced the death of a pet yourself each person's experience is unique and one of the things that can help in that process is to talk about memories that are impactful and to allowing a safe space for your friend to process or your partner to process within their own time not offering solutions not offering guidance or advice. We so readily want to fix the grief experience and it's something that can't be fixed. I think paying attention for warning signs. So warning signs would be, if someone for weeks and upon weeks isn't feeding themselves, isn't showering, isn't getting out of bed, um, I say if it, that's prolonged, then you might be talking about more like depression, um, and you know referrals to mental health professionals I think are important. But for a period of time, in the very beginning, it could actually be very appropriate to isolate and not eat and not shower for a while, for a few days. But when when those pieces, um, start getting prolonged, that's when you kind of want to say what's going on.
0: To unlock the rest of this episode and to hear more episodes, visit patreon.com forward slash on grief pod.